if you carry on doing this, it, it will never stop. You've got yeah. to take control of the situation. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Richard Sams. Richard was introduced to us by Chabatote of show number 181. Richard is co-founder and CEO at Mohara, a pre-seed to Series A startup and corporate venture builder. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Richard Sams of Mohara. Welcome Richard, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely. So start by telling us who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it. Uh, so I am co-founder and CEO of Mahara. We're an innovation delivery specialist. Um, what that means is we essentially build tech product with startups, uh, slightly later stage startups called scale-ups, uh, SMEs looking to build non-core product, so away from their away from their traditional business, and also corporates looking to. Uh, mitigate any risks or seek out any opportunities to uh, to innovate with inside of their sector or a new sector that they fancy getting into. Mm-hmm. And where do you do that? So we so I'm currently in Brighton. Um, I'm from here, but uh, we have an office in London and also in Bangkok and Cape Town. We have just opened up in Dallas as well in the US, which is super exciting. But yeah. physically, I'm down in Brighton for this lockdown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, spend, spend most of my time uh, in London and have done for the last four or five years as that's kind of where our headquarters are. Yes, yeah. So what you describe as what you do had mm. sort of elements where I thought, oh, yeah, I know what he means. And then other bits when I was like, oh, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the questions I ask all my guests is sort of where it came from. And I sort of um, often sort of go, did you grow up saying this is what I'm going to do? Did you want to do this mm. when you left school? Um, I'm imagining not quite in the way that you've described it to me, even if <laughs> that was sort of the plan. Tell me more about where this all came from. So I actually was in education. So I was a teacher for eight years. Ah. So I went straight from A-level into uh, a four-year degree at Brighton University in IT or computing and education. So I taught secondary school in the UK for five years, uh, computing and IT, and then in New Zealand for a year and then Thailand for two years. Um, I just I just kind of over that period of time, you know, teacher was fantastic. I loved the profession. I loved the people. And I thought it was, you know, it afforded me the opportunity to go and teach abroad and, and have that experience. But it, it just felt a little bit, um, maybe a little bit prescribed, or maybe I could see where the ceiling was. And I've, I've always been quite entrepreneurial. Um, so I just, I wanted to look at ideas that how could I, how could I go and create something? How could I go and create legacy and a new technology through, obviously through my degree. And, you know, I coded my first software when I was six years old on a BBC and built websites in the mid nineties. So I knew, I knew enough to be able to do the tech piece and what teaching does it, 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 well, it develops your ability to work with people or take very complex 
concepts and be able to make them uh, understandable for people who are non-technical. So I just combined those uh, the interest in tech and that capability with people. And, and what came out the back of that was a, originally a web design business. Um, so I started it in Thailand, employed uh, three developers in Thailand and moved back to the UK on a wing and a prayer to try and sell some website work. And we, you know, we, we built up from that point, but it was very much about you know, I love of technology, I love of working with people and just and combining those two things. And that was nearly 10 years ago, 10 years ago, next August. So mm. nine years old. Mm. Yeah. So still quite early for sort of um, websites, really. I, I started helping people with uh, online marketing in sort of 2008, nine, And I, mm. I, I found some slides a, a while ago of me convincing people how important a website was. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing how quickly it evolves. Yes. Because, I mean, I look at what we were doing back then and we were very, I don't know, we weren't, I wouldn't consider ourselves a software company back then. Um, we were, you know, we were doing the very minimum to kind of get people where they needed to be. Yes. Whereas now we're, you know, we're, we're very much a solutions business now. It's like someone recognizes an opportunity or they think they know why they want to do something. And then we come with very much the how, how are you actually going to achieve that? And what are you actually going to get out of the back of it? Much yeah. bigger, much bigger business and bigger kind of, uh, mindset than what we had in 2011 which was mm. you know very much like oh you're a hair salon well you definitely need a you know you definitely need a brochure site and an e-commerce site to be able to sell your products yes very different yeah yeah so how did that evolve because again when you described what you do at the beginning I wouldn't have mm. automatically thought about uh, websites as a sort of starting point for it and um, mm. now you've said it it sort of is connecting up but how, how did that develop in the 10 years uh, so, I mean, honestly, it was probably down to my where where I had my knowledge base. Mm-hmm. So, because I came from a I came from a, a front end development, a little bit of back end, but front end development position. So, I, was, I preferred the creative side of things. So, I just understood it, and if I understood it, therefore I can sell it, and that that was why we started there. I always had a a passion for much bigger systems, but didn't really have a knowledge base to be able to go and say, okay, I want to go and integrate with, you know, massive Microsoft systems or banking software. You know, I can't go and do that or I couldn't do that at that point. So I fell into it from, from, you know, a passion and an interest in, in website development, I guess. Um, And how it's evolved from, from that to now is, it's just, just a lot of learning, a lot of exposure to um, different people and different things that they want to achieve. And it, you know, ultimately, if you've got quite a, if you're quite a creative person, you understand how things work in the technical space. Someone comes to you with a fantastic idea, someone comes to you with an opportunity. You can you can see how software can solve that, and people will come in with bigger ideas. People mm. will come in with ideas that were quite innovative, and then it was a case of how can technology facilitate or enable that business to market. Mm. And we just, you know, our client base just diversified. We we were very much into startups out the gate. Um, and startups are looking to build businesses, not just a website. You know, so we've built we built marketplaces like an online marketplace, like not on the high street, very similar to that. We built the first um, MVP of Bloom and Wild, the flower delivery yeah. company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of helped Aaron and Ben get you know for their first six months get to market, and that was the thing that I was really I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the the concept around the commercial side of it and the business side of it, along with the tech and along with the human part. And that just led to business building, and that's kind of where we where we transitioned to in 2016 when we became more of a, you know, we we work with startups a lot, we work with these corporates a lot, but it's to build new product and take it to market 
it's mm-hmm. not just guns for hire it's not just engineering it's not just design it's like how are you going to do that as a business what are you looking to achieve and how can we help and then by the way we can also build it mm. so it's, it's 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 quite it's sometimes quite difficult to articulate we're actually going through a positioning piece now but it's very much about the how you know great you want to do that you know why you want to do it but how are you actually going to go about it and the what out the back is is it an application is it a website is it a platform is it a, you know a mobile app you know the what is the what is the what it's the how is the important bits for mm. us mm. and do you then um work outsourcing some of that because it's potentially stuff that isn't in your experience or or is that something that you develop as you go so no it's all internal the right. only we have we have we have partners um yeah. so the partners that we we link in with very much around copy content uh-huh. so a business called Callium we we're very close to Doug at Callium um we have uh, Lua at Green Gage who does a lot of our technical SEO we have who's Fabio who do a lot of our kind of upstream kind of idea assumption validation validating so we tend to work with you know friends and partners um, yeah. who we you know who can kind of support what we're trying to do with inside of the broader ecosystem but in terms of what we do you know it's it's service design so it's like what is this service going to be how can we help you do that it's mm. engineering so the actual physical build and there's also production design so you know the ux and the ui how does it look on screen how does it look on mobile and then yeah everything else around it is very much partner driven partnership driven mm-hmm. so what you described sounds really quite sophisticated and quite um although you you talked about it being for you the natural thing to do having been in teaching <laughs> mm. i'm not quite <laughs> entirely seeing that direct link it must have been <laughs> an interesting transition to go because not only from education but education to education and we sort of always um smile a bit at you know people who've been to sort of school university then become teachers and for the rest of their lives are still in the same environment really that they've yeah. been in the whole time but mm. you've got you know you're in a completely different environment and it's a really fast moving creative yeah. environment uh, which to mm. me doesn't sound like you know what an average teaching person <laughs> would would be doing what what sort of transition for for that was was there for you personally in terms of how how you work and your I mean you said you were quite entrepreneurial but it's still yeah. quite a big change yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. And it, I suppose when you've gone through it yourself, you necess- and, and over such a period of time, we don't necessarily recognise it. No. Um, but I think I think to begin with, there are just, you know, the, business comes down to people, you know, it comes down to relationships and it comes down to partnerships. That's ultimately at the core of what business does. Yes, you've got to have a good business model. Yes, you've got to be commercially savvy. You've got to understand finance, operations, all of the sales and marketing, everything else like that. But it comes down to people. Mm. You know, can Do you have an ability to relate to people? you know, your client, do you have an ability to lead a team and therefore, you know, bring people's careers through, you know, sell a vision, make sure people follow you. And that's ultimately what teaching is. That's what teaching skill is. You know, you're, you're leading out, you're passing knowledge on and you're getting people to, you know, follow a lesson, for example, or, or, or kind of, you know, the curriculum set and you've got to distill that and you've got to translate that to somebody. It's very much, it's a very similar skill initially mm-hmm. in terms of like, where where we are today and my capability now yeah that's just filling skills gaps that's just learning on the go you know when we when we first started i mean dad founded the dad founded the business with me before ben our coo joined um and we were you know it's the classic up in my old bedroom you know we've got you know five grand to bootstrap this business together and Mm. we you know everything from pricing never written a contract before didn't know how to do sales and marketing lists or a pipeline 
had no idea about PAYE and how to set up all the financial side of stuff. So we just dug in, yeah. you know, and we just we just got on with it, did a lot of learning, a lot of talking to people. And, you know, ultimately, if you can sell, if you can do that, if you've got a business model that works and people trust you and you deliver, then the business just goes and it evolves. Um, so I think it was, I was just very open to development. I was very yeah. keen. I was very, I was, you know, I had a massive desire to make sure this thing was successful. Mm-hmm. And that means with that, I just put in the hard yards. You know, I worked mm-hmm. seven days a week for two years you know, so, and I, I just got stuck in. Yeah. And on the plus side, fewer stroppy teenagers, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? For the first for the first two years, I really missed it because I went from, you know, God, I mean, in Thailand, it wasn't a very big school, but I probably taught two or three hundred students in England. There must have been six or seven hundred. So I constantly had all these different personalities around me. And some of them were, you know, tricky, but some of them were fantastic. You know, great people to spend your day with, you know, teaching yeah. them and listening to them made you laugh a lot of them. And then I went from this experience in Thailand where it was like the, the camaraderie of the staff. And the fantastic students that we had out there. And I came back and it was me and my dad in my old bedroom. <laughs> and it was just, I was like, wow, okay. So no one's telling me there's no, there's no diary that I have to follow. There's no lesson structure. There's no like, oh, I've got year nines now, I've got year eleven there, I've got A level there. It's a yeah. case of your day is blank, go and create. And you've got to create almost on your own. Yeah. And it, it's 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 weird. It's a, it was a strange transition. I really struggled for about a year to feel mm-hmm. as though I was doing anything tangible. Mm-hmm. I was like, what am I actually doing? What am I actually doing here? Yeah, I'm writing this stuff down. Yeah, I go and talk to those people. But it wasn't like there is an end result out the back of it because it's so delayed. Mm-hmm. So there's, I had to go through, you know, mentally, I kind of had to shift my mindset about how I viewed it. But it was quite lonely to begin with. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Very different kind of job. Yeah. So apart from, I think, Andy Lapata, who was on the show a few months ago, uh, I don't think I've spoken to anyone else who's worked with their their dad or a member of their family in that hmm. way how did that mm-hmm. come about and how, how did that go <laughs> talking about stroppy teenagers <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I mean so dad and I have got a dad and I have got a good relationship we de- he's definitely the person I vent to um mm-hmm. I, you know he's that kind of you know if I'm if I'm going to lose if I'm going to lose my mind at anyone for 20 minutes it's invariably been dad over the years which mm-hmm. you know is not not fair or fantastic but sometimes you've got to vent somewhere yeah um he he's he's got he was he came from he's got a really interesting background himself so he did a phd in uh, biochemistry and then so worked in chemistries for 20 years and then went into financial services and became an independent financial advisor and then did this and this and this so he had a really kind of broad kind of grounding and understanding of of how things work so mm-hmm. he just handled all of the financing for me so that was a that was a great thing you know i set up all the company for me and made sure we'd had all of the invoicing and everything else like that done so that was dad's role as finance director up until last year. So he did eight years of it um, and not trained in that respect, but just kind of kind of got the business moving in that way and did what he could to do it. And, you know, has never asked for anything out of the business in terms of the relationship. I mean, it's been good. You know, it's my sounding board even to today. You know, it's if I've got an idea, I'll, I'll go to dad and say, look, this is what I'm thinking. Tell me if you think this is rubbish or not. Mm. You know, and, and Ben, the, Ben, my co-founder and COO, he's the same way. It's, it's like the checks and balances people that you need yeah. when you're, when you're a bit of a dreamer, which is kind of what I'm like. It's like, guys, I've got this idea, I've got this idea, I've got this idea. Tell me if you think it's rubbish or not. So there have been some tense moments. I think we had a really tough time in 2016 financially, which is very hard on both of us. Um, and that was quite fraught because it's, it's not, it, it's family at the end of the day. And when you, when you can see that you're both stressed, you know, take business out of it. 
if you've got a son and a father who are both emotionally affected by what's going on, it, 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 can, it can cause damage. Thankfully mm-hmm. for us, it wasn't long term, you know, and we shook it off and we got through it and got through it, you know, together. And, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty peachy now, you know. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. <laughs> good to hear. So mm-hmm. you mentioned that when you first started, you were working sort of 24-7, seven days a week. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. How did that change? Because it's the sort of thing that some people you know, you start doing it because you need to do it, but actually it's really hard to stop doing it once that's been something that has been yeah. your sort of norm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, so it was the weekends, which, which was the thing. Um, and I remember, I think I was talking to a girlfriend of the time and she wanted to go to a National Trust property or something. And I was, you know, four hours in at, you know, midday saying, I've just got to get this stuff out, just got to get this stuff out. She said, you know, if you carry on doing this, it, it will never stop. You've got yeah. to take control of the situation. So just just say on those when that comes in either don't reply or reply I'll get to this Monday so I just started to do that over time with everyone who had these requests and within two months I uh, you know I didn't I didn't work a weekend on client work I still work weekends every now and then on the business because it's a passion but I I stopped working those those weekends on client work and clients accept it Mm. you know they accepted it and it, it became okay and I got I got some time back for myself Yes. If I, I do feel though, if I hadn't have put in those hours, and I'm not saying every single one of them was effective, you know, because it's not always at a computer. Sometimes it's like I'm going to go for a walk for three hours and think, you know. But it, it's still it's still work. Yes. But it's I I the balance that balance now more important than ever. You know, I don't I don't work now beyond six p.m. or I try to not start at seven. You know, first meeting is at seven, but finish at six. I'm not saying it's solid work, but those are my hours. And if I go beyond that, I'd prefer it to be a social thing, like a, a glass of wine with people at work afterwards. Mm. And I try, and I don't work on client work during the weekend. If I do anything on a weekend, it's only like to drive Mahara forward as a business. Yeah. So you've got to have balance. But I pulled myself out of it from from advice from yeah from from the next girlfriend. Yeah. And 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 through seeing the importance of boundaries and saying no, I guess. Yeah. As you say, yeah. It, it was an iterative process. It wasn't a right. I'm not doing it anymore. It was a how can I change what I'm doing so it was over time yeah yeah it was two months and and after that it just didn't happen it's never really happened Mm -hmm. and now they have and and now it's like if something comes in and we tell our we tell our teams as well because founders particularly startup founders are are quite demanding because this is their baby right and they're passionate about it so we say to the teams is like look just put a hold in there put an acknowledgement say thanks for this we'll get to this first thing Monday Mm. you know because otherwise there's that expectation you're setting a precedent and they will just go 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 Yes. And it's and it's nonstop. When you've got three or four of them, your weekend's gone. Mm. So you draw a line and you be firm about it, firm and fair, and they and people respect boundaries. Like yeah, say. yeah. And how do you ensure that that six o'clock stop? Have you got any sort of strategies for it, or does it just happen now? Oh, well, I don't put any meetings in beyond that point. Yeah. <laughs> That's a start. Um, though the US with the time zone is proving a little more uh, challenging. So mm-hmm. we'll see how I navigate that. Cause that's our next piece is how do we, how do we handle a business that spans 18 hours? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, other than that, I, I just try to be, I try to be fairly strict with my time. I mean, like I say, the stuff that is after 6 PM tends not to be client related. So mm-hmm. it might be myself or Ben or Etienne or Martin or Patsy or someone senior within the business getting together to discuss stuff for the benefit of Mahara rather than client work. Yeah, and that kind of thing for me is, I'm I'm okay with that. You know, like yeah. the last last uh, Thursday, we I worked through to eight thirty, but it was on 
you know, our plans for resourcing, really important, chunky piece of work. And it was great. And we all got a beer out and we talked through it and we thrashed through some ideas. That doesn't feel, I mean, to be fair, most of this doesn't feel like work to me, mm. which I'm fortunate of. But yeah. I think just staying, just it's the boundaries again, you know, with clients, just making sure that, you know, you, you put those things in and you do your best to stay to it. It's not every day. Some yeah. days are actually quite quiet with meetings and I get to have a more of a relaxed, chilled day. Some days are full. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just making sure that you, you, you strike a balance so you don't become burnt out. Because, I mean, we, we average around 50 to 55 hours a week, something like that. Um, any more than that, I'm just not sure if people are that efficient. No. I think, I know, and then you just, it's almost like throwing good money after bad. It's like throwing good time after no time. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, I don't see the benefit in it really. At the moment, things might change. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. And have you seen changes through lockdown in terms of sort of um, productivity and, and how you manage what you do? I mean, we're we're recording this quite ahead of it coming out so who knows what will be yeah. happening in uh february hopefully we'll be out is out hopefully we'll be out <laughs> but um you know have what changes have you seen or have you seen changes and uh, i suppose in some ways you might be feeling like you're back to starting again because you're near your bedroom again when you're working mm. yeah <laughs> i mean uh, the so the first lockdown was tough really mm. tough i mean i had some personal things to go through as well um, but it was very, very challenging because I'm, I'm people orientated. You know, I get energy from people. I love being around the team and that's when I'm probably most effective. Yeah. So to, to go from that to 12 weeks without seeing anyone I knew was, was very, very challenging for me, very mm-hmm. taxing in terms of the work rate. It, I, I wobbled for the, I, I wobbled after about week four. Yeah. of it so I was kind of like really dedicated kind of like yeah this is fine this is fine I was getting up early I was doing the usual thing about trying to do some exercise and then getting showered and dressed and all the rest of it to try and make turn it into a to a working day and our days start early because of our team in Thailand so you know the day is going from 6 a.m so you can tap into that you know quite quite quickly so I was okay for the first month or so and then I think it just became labored and you know from a from a mental health standpoint, I just really, I struggled with it and I was doing, you know, my, my days were getting a lot longer. So I would find myself, you know, going to bed at one in the morning and getting up at like six, seven, and I was just became tired and I couldn't sleep and lots of impact. But, you know, in terms of the business, we didn't miss a beat, thankfully, because we're distributed. I definitely wobbled, but, you know, as soon as I had a word with myself and got exercising again and things like that, I just stayed mm. mentally a lot fresher. This one is a cakewalk. Honestly, it's it's fine. I'm I'm so used to being on my own now. Yeah. That it's you know I get up. I try to do a bit of exercise every day in the morning. I bought myself a piano because it's just oh, a complete a complete escape. <laughs> you know I'm you know it's I, I play the drums as well, so that's a good one if I'm feeling a little bit frustrated. And I, I tend to go out and walk and take take street photography as yeah. well. So anything oh, okay. that kind of draws me out of yeah draws me out of what I do. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. is the best. And I don't need much of a reset. Yeah, half an hour, 20 minutes here or there, and then I'm, I can be back into it. But mm. it's focus was definitely a challenge in the first one. Um, I have good days now and bad days now. I think everybody does, particularly because it's every day is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, this one's a hell of a lot more productive for me. I'm a hell of a lot happier this time than yeah. I was before yeah. because I think ultimately I've adjusted to or adjusted somewhat to this style, this lifestyle. Yeah, I think the first one was very, the first few weeks particularly, I felt a bit shell-shocked. I couldn't quite mm. get my head around what was going on. And uh, I was only thinking this morning that uh, 
I'm, I, you know, I'm actually quite an introvert, so I don't need to be going out and meeting people. And I meet people a lot through this sort of means anyway. So I, I'm really comfortable in this environment. Mm. But I just keep sort of occasionally thinking, it's really odd. It's so odd to not really go anywhere and not really see anyone, but still be quite happy. It's, it's, you know. It's yeah, and see, see, I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm the, I'm a stonewall extrovert. You know, yes. I like to be out there and doing it. And it made me feel very, I, f- I felt as though I wasn't getting any satisfaction. Yeah. But then again, what happened from that is that I ended up connecting with friends all over the world from everyone that I've met. And our friendships developed because, mm. because there wasn't that immediate intimacy with my current friendship group or my near, near yes. my nearshore friendship group. So it was a really weird one. But yeah, I, I, it, was, it was a challenge yeah. for sure for me. And I learned a lot. But this time, like I say, I'm, I'm really quite content. <laughs> <laughs> really quite happy this time through. I think the the piano thing was genius as well. I I keep laughing saying that uh, my piano playing has improved massively since lockdown because I've played nearly every day and um mm. I keep going who knew actually practicing <laughs> makes you better. Makes perfect, yeah. I know right. <laughs> I know. It's and it's only half an hour a day, isn't it? I mean yeah. and I I've come I've come from a complete beginner. You know, yeah. I bought a I bought a a nice weighted piano on off eBay just before lockdown hit the, mm-hmm. the weekend just before I thought, right, give myself half an hour. And through yeah. the first lockdown, you know, I was, I was really quite, really quite pleased. Um, and it's, it's just a lovely escape, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's just a great escape and it's calming, yeah. you know, unless you're, unless you're going through some boogie woogie, it's quite calming. You know? <laughs> or playing it really badly. And then it's a bit yeah. jarring, but other than yeah. that, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stick, stick to fair release or stick to moonlight yeah. sonata and you're, you're fine. Yeah. exactly yeah. so what about um getting things done yourself personally as in how yeah. do you manage those tasks how do you make sure you get done what you need to get done do you mean in a professional capacity well any anyway how do you organize yourself <laughs> yeah I mean I'm, I'm not naturally the most organized person I have to work quite hard at it um, yeah I'm, I don't I'm not well I am I am an admirer of process but it doesn't come naturally to me I'm more a case of Let's just go for it, and we'll we'll figure it out along the way. It's always kind of been my gung ho, I guess. So, I mean, I've in the professional capacity, I run a very tight calendar. Um, so I make sure that you know everything is booked in there. I make sure that everything is structured. And I can see what I'm doing. In the last three months, I started to book in time for you know kind of free tasks, if you will. So tasks that I want to work on the business. Mm. That I know I need to get done. So you know, I put in some time for work on the vision and the strategy of the business you know instead of saying oh i could just wander around thinking about it i've got a dedicated hour that i try to stick to yeah you know, there's ideas around what we're going to do in 2021 how are we going to expand the us all of these things that i should be thinking about to work on the business i put dedicated time in which mm. i never used to do mm. um i don't kind of put in things like lunch or or life admin or anything like that and the life stuff around the edges yeah i just kind of just plod through it you know i'm kind of you know I just kind of do it as and when I can. I'm not particularly highly strung as an individual. You know, I don't, my place doesn't have to be absolutely spotless or anything like that. I just kind of drift through feeling pretty content about stuff, to be honest. But mm. with um with the work stuff, my calendar drives it completely. Um, yeah. Ben, like I say, Ben, my business partner, he cleaned up my the way I use Slack and taught me how to use that because I had oh, thousands of messages. I mean, I do have 30, I'm just looking at my email. I've got 38,000 unread emails currently. So things like that don't necessarily bother me, but I know there's nothing in there that I need to get to. And it just ticks along merrily. And I don't let it, uh, I don't let it bother me so much. Just as long as I can have an efficient day 
you know, I can get the stuff that I need to get done and end the day with a smile on my face. I'm pretty content. You know? Yeah. So a few things in that. I love getting people on who talk about thousands of emails in their inbox because that makes me come out in a cold sweat. But I know yeah. some of the people who listen will be really pleased to hear that because they feel like their inboxes are sort of rather out and could out of control and that makes them feel good. So thank you. Um, yeah. I love your admirer of process comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Commendable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and a reflection again about lockdown. I the bit you were saying about um building in you know particular time to do those important mm. tasks or the reflection tasks I think that's mm. one of the, the things that has been a, a positive for, for many of us I think we've we've finally found the time to build some of those things in that we've probably been able to avoid or ignore whilst we've been so m- much more frenetic I guess but as things have yeah. had to calm down for me it's the same I've, I've found some space to do things that I've been wanting to do for ages or I, I, I've been thinking I should do um, mm. and actually now I am doing because I've found you know that that opportunity I suppose. Yeah I mean completely I mean I, I you know during the day other than other than my team that I work with and you know friends on whatsapp groups I've got very little distraction mm. and by and because I don't you know I don't have children you know I'm, I'm you know I, I live alone it's uh I've, I find myself with that time and if I, I forget frustrated if I don't use my time efficiently yeah because because you know you've only you know you lose that day you lose that week you're not going to get it back and therefore you've missed an opportunity to push the business along or push what you're you're you know, push go along the journey to that goal that you wanted to do mm-hmm. I do get frustrated when I certainly in the first lockdown I was like wow I've just drifted today and I've drifted because of what was going on and that you know the whole mental impact of what was happening but I feel as if I don't, if I don't get something good out the back of the day, if I can't think of actually a fantastic quote, well, quote comment I saw from one of our interns that's joining the South African team, name's Chelsea. She said, um, she said, I like to end the day and I like to think about one thing that I can be proud of today. And I just thought that was that's, that's really neat. So yeah. I like to be able to now, and thanks to Chelsea, she doesn't know that she'll hear it in February. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, is there one thing that I can say? Yeah, you know what, I did something good there, so that I haven't wasted a day. Yes, because it, yeah. it does. It does. I mean, you know, it does frustrate me when I've just drifted, and it's very easy to drift in this current scenario, mm. particularly when you've got, you know, there is no family, there's there's no there's no friends around. It's like maximize your opportunity, Rich. Keep going, keep going, keep going. But mm. I do have those drifting days, and they do frustrate me. Yes. Yes. And I think that maybe that's another learning we need in this. That uh, I mean, like yesterday I for some reason I was feeling really fed up and I just thought, you know, what, I've just got to do something else, you know, not worry about the Mm. things that I thought I ought to get done today and actually just do something else that makes me feel better. And then tomorrow will be a new day and all all will be fine again, sort of thing. And I've done, I've done that a few times. I mean, two weeks ago, I was, I just really couldn't get my head in the game. Just, Mm. it was the first week of lockdown. So maybe less than two weeks ago. So I spent the afternoon uh, mapping out a, a five year plan for where I want the business to go. Mm. because it wasn't client related and it wasn't like HR related and it wasn't immediate. So I could just kind of sit back and just, I don't know, get deep into that kind of fun thinking. And it was, I felt at the end of the day feeling fantastic. Yes. Because I couldn't necessarily engage in the day to day, but I still got something out the back of it Mm. that I really enjoyed. And I went for a two and a half hour walk the other morning just because I I knew I needed to start the day and I knew I needed to get the energy out. So I went for a long walk, spoke to my dad, spoke to people in the business, thought a bit, took some photos, and I came back and had a smashing afternoon. Yeah. That morning I knew was going to be a write-off for efficiency. So I just thought, you know, sort it. 
I'm yeah. off. I'm going to go and walk to the marina. And it yeah. was great. And it was the best thing I could have done. Yeah, I think some of those times what I sort of refer to as productive procrastination. So I don't feel like doing anything that I have on my to-do list, but I find something else to do that is still useful and moves something forwards, but wasn't perhaps anywhere near (laughs) the list of uh, priorities, but actually does move things forwards. As you say, that that planning that you did. Yeah, I mean, and it was fantastic. And the the walk was great as well. Mm. You know, things that I came up with the walk, just listening to music getting some exercise because I knew that I could work through to 8 p.m. that night. So I knew those two hours that I took in that point in the day and it wasn't needed by the business. Yeah. I could go and do it. And I came back and felt rejuvenated. So yeah. that time away to be able to make the time you're in more efficient is so important. I, mm-hmm. I certainly find as, as me, that's why I've got a drum kit and a piano and everything else. It's distraction. Yeah. It's reset. Yeah, yeah. What do your neighbours think of the drum kit? Eh? <laughs> it's electric. It's electric. Oh, okay. It's headphones. Yeah, no, I sold my acoustic drums years ago. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's electric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so right at the beginning, we were talking about um, what your business does and, and the word innovation um, came mm. up. And, and, you know, we talked about it being very much about creating. How do you make mm. sure that you are, are learning and developing yourself as, as you go so that you can you know, be at the forefront of, of the innovation? Mm. I mean, on a personal or professional level, I try to read a lot. Mm. Um, I'm, I struggle with focus with books. Um, quite a visual person, so I tend to prefer video as a medium um, or maybe audio. So, I, But I, I do try to read as much as I can, and I learn a lot from that. You know, and I think at the beginning of the business, I, I learned a tremendous, tried to learn a tremendous amount around the, you know, what, do you, what would you study in an MBA? You know quite a bit of the theory even though I've kind of had an MBA in real life I guess just by learning what I've learned mm. um, outside of that you know I, I tried to talk to as many peers as possible you know it's quite interesting that you know I, I went through a period of time feeling quite um, I guess out of sorts or a little bit like an island because with inside of the with inside of the CEO role it's kind of defined but it isn't defined you know you're very much the the visionary or the leader of the business and it's I know it's sounds cheesy and everybody's kind of said it before but you're genuinely on your own mm. you know and if you you know you could talk to people in the business but either they're you know they're integrators they're people that do things and more important really than a, that visionary role but if you can't necessarily engage with someone around what you're trying to trying to go to it's, it's quite tricky so you know I've had business mentors in the past you know and they've given me direction and given me kind of you know, movement forward. We've, we're building out an advisory board for our startups. But, you know, I would definitely like something I've been thinking about is getting a coach, you know, mm-hmm. as we kind of transition into a bigger business and, you know, more of a global business because, you know, I haven't done it before. You know, there are certain things I've never guided a business through a pandemic before when COVID hit. You know, and we did it as a team, but I had to learn quick, sharp about communication. You know, and we chose video as a medium and it communicated every Thursday. And we have done that for, well, we've done that since the first week of lockdown. Yeah. And we had to talk about everything to do with, you know, salaries, how we keep everybody employed, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I've never done that before. Didn't know that at all. So I just had to get on the phone to people, mm. get advice. Like, how am I going to communicate with these 65 people, you know, in Africa and Thailand and here all affected at different times by the pandemic? Yeah. And it was, it was, um, yeah, it was a hell of a learning curve to be able to do that. And I did that through, discussion with internal people so our leadership team are fantastic so talking with them talking to my dad talking to my mates and just saying that this is what we're thinking this is what we're doing what do you reckon and just just absorbing all of this information and then trying to position it as best i could 
yeah. so as though it comes from me in a very sincere sincere way so you know you're forever learning I'm always open I'm very co- I'd like to think I'm coachable um but it's you know it's just through experience when you get when you hit when you, when you face the problems or you face something you want to do you've just got to go and got to go and read you've got to listen to people got to go and talk to people mm-hmm. as best you can to absorb as much information to give you the best chance to do you know a good yes. job yeah exactly so last couple of questions what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong we've sort of touched on that already <laughs> but you know when you have a, a terrible day what do you do yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well, they 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 you know you get a couple of those a month um mm-hmm. invariably around uh because we work with startups is invariably around uh either people or cash crunch yes. tend, tend to be the issues with us because of the very nature of an early stage business mm-hmm. um when things do go wrong uh i i it's interesting what do i do back in the day i would have probably kicked and screamed about it mm-hmm. you know and and, and kind of a little, little bit of a Pity possum, I guess, kind of like, oh, yeah, this is so rubbish. Why don't we get any light, yada, yada, yada at the beginning? I think nowadays I just kind of accept it, accept it as given because there's no point. There's no point doing that. All you need to do is just go, okay, that's 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 what it is. That's the reality situation. How do we go fix it? So I think for the last six or seven years, that's been my mentality is to take whatever problem there is head on and just go and fix it. What's the what's the best solution? What's the fastest solution to go and get that sorted? Mm. And it can be. You know, a variety of problems of what we deal with but it's not I don't like to beat around the bush I don't like to chat things over you know nauseam I like to just go let's go okay let's make a decision team let's just act in terms of picking myself up you know as a as a as a person that is yeah that is tends to be half an hour to 45 minutes of really analyzing the reality of the situation maybe go for a walk maybe sit down maybe have a glass of wine you know and just reflect let it wash over me try to not get wound up, you know, accept any kind of emotions or feelings that I'm feeling in relation to that. And then ultimately I seem to come to the conclusion that, well, it's going to be all right anyway. So it's <laughs> going to be fine because we're going to sort this out. Mm. I do have an eternal optimism, which our chairman, uh, <laughs> chairman sometimes doesn't like. Um, <laughs> but I do, I, I am optimistic as a person. I know that we've got really bright people in this business that will be able to tackle anything really. And, yeah. and that gives me a lot of confidence. So I just... Yeah let it wash over and then, you know, we fix it. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Thank you. And then the last question, th- those days where you get to live more. So that's where I define it as getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you? I love doing it professionally. I love doing the uh, big picture thinking strategic work. I've done a lot of the in the weeds work over the 10 years that we've been in business. So I've, you know, I've done the design, I've done the product management, I've done the build, I've done, I've done that. What mm-hmm. I really enjoy now is, is looking for opportunities to take Mahara forward and working with our team to do that. That's honestly where my passion sits. Mm-hmm. I love connecting with people. So be that partners, you know, the partners I mentioned earlier, love connecting with them. And I really enjoy business development. You know, when I talk to a startup or I talk to a, a a business that wants to do something, I get a massive kick out of finding a solution for them. They tell us the problem, what are they looking to do? And then being creative with a solution, you know, thinking about how can we go and solve that for this business? How can we go and take that forward? Those are my, those are my absolute three things. So it's, it's very much about big picture vision. Where can we take this business? I find that tremendously exciting. Mm. I love working with, you know, the people, the partners, and obviously the BD stuff. I, I really enjoy because it's like it's it's opportune opportunity, right? That's what it is. It's 
I am thinking about doing this in this space. Oh, wow, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. It's big picture again. You know, so that's, that's what, that's what a really good day looks like to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can have those five days a week because all <laughs> I'd be doing would just be cooking up ideas all the time. Um, so I, I am, I'm realistic that, you know, I have to, you know, I have to do other things as well, but that's what really drives me forward yeah. is that. And I think that's probably makes me in the right role for what I'm in because mm. that's majority of that role. Mm. That's lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's by design. <laughs> Yeah. brilliant thank you Richard it's been yeah. so interesting talking to you today tell people how yeah, they can you. find out more about you and get in touch uh well I mean I don't know whether you're going to be popping on the uh on the on the website on this but people are more than welcome to drop me an email it's just richard at mahara.co um, and our website is obviously mahara.co or find me on LinkedIn happy to chat to anybody if, if any of this is you know been insightful or interesting because you never know where conversations go absolutely thanks a lot Richard thank you for your time okay. today no worries take care all this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 196, then you'll find them there. And this week, the topic within the broader theme of Simplify is visualization and manifestation. We talked at the Power to Live More Calm Gold Call this week about visualization and manifestation and everything really from how some people see it as being very woo-woo right the way through some practical tips in terms of thinking about visualizing success as the sports people do. So imagining really clearly the future and what it'll look like and feel like and smell like and all those other things to help you to sort of set your course towards whatever that vision is. Right the way through to quantum physics, which we all acknowledge that we don't really understand. (laughs) And uh, we are going to go and investigate further And we talked about whatever your view is from whether you think that visualization and manifestation is sort of woo-woo right the way through to the whole quantum physics explanation that, as I said, we didn't really uh, or weren't able to share, that there is no harm in getting really clear about what you want your future to look like. And going back to the previous couple of weeks topics around purpose and goal setting, there's no harm in getting really clear about what that future looks like to give you, you know, at least half a chance of going in the right direction and taking that journey, that really clear journey towards that future that you're looking for. So it was a really interesting discussion. We shared fewer resources than we normally would, albeit there were a few books that uh, people were recommending. And I've since found a few TED Talks that I'm going to check out and share with my members at once. Um, I've evaluated them. (laughs) Um, But it was a really interesting and in-depth discussion. And I think my sort of summary is that if it's good enough for athletes in terms of visualising their success and getting better results as a consequence, then it's good enough for me within my business and my life. Next week's topic is getting back to the practical, very much so, and we're talking about decluttering. If you'd like to join one of the Power to Live More Calm Gold member calls, then all you need to do is sign up as a member. You can get my £1 trial for a month. You just need to go to powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm and use the code my1trial and that's with the number one. And again, the show notes for this week are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 196. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.